It is 103. Yes, 103. <clears throat> yep. Keep music. Welcome to the Reimagined Podcast, a podcast that seeks to reimagine faith and life in the community as we link, learn, and live together. I'm Greg English, along with Brad Hoffman and Brian Dupuy. Today, on episode 103, we talk with Mike Young about being and becoming a noble warrior. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hey. Hello. Here we are. Hey. We are here. And I'm, I'm glad you're here. Uh, Nobody's told you that lately. I'm the one person that says to you, Brad, I'm glad you're, you're here. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, so, yes. well, I hope everybody's doing good, feeling well. Uh, springtime is among us. Yep. Yep. And um, just jumping all over the place. It's been crazy that the weather pattern the last couple of weeks has been like the... Um, the lottery ball, it just goes from 80 to 17 to 30 and yeah, yeah. 65 and all that kind of stuff. But here we are. So That's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, hey, a little question for you. Uh, yes. I, I'm, I'm maturing. Let's just say it that way. <laughs> I, I'm the second maturest in the room, by the that's way. Good. Second <laughs> maturest? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, yeah. uh, recently, I have a you know um, one of my favorite pairs of reading glasses. I wear, Brian, are you wearing reading glasses? Uh, no. Not yet. Not yet. Are you close at all? Mm, if I haven't noticed, I haven't noticed. I'm, close. <laughs> I'm sure I am. I'm yeah, sure I am. Yeah, After yeah. 40, it's, you know, I hear that comes on pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah There's no. someone else I live with in my house who has, who has uh, picked up a pair. Okay. Well, let's leave uh-huh. it at that. Uh-huh. We, yes. we are talking about being a noble man today. Yes. Leave it alone. <laughs> Could be anybody. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. So yeah, my favorite pair has been like this tortoise, because I think reading glasses are like a pair of socks or a belt. If you're going to wear them, wear it with some kind of yeah, sure. uniqueness to it. Yes. Right? So I had these little small round ones, turtle shell, almost like Benjamin Franklin looking things. I get them on online and I love them, but I always carry them in my pocket and I, uh, yeah. and, and I always break them. Yeah. And, and Kelly's constantly like, it's not the glasses' fault. Yeah. You, why do you keep putting them in your pocket? You sit yeah. down in the car, you do this, they break. But yeah. I, I love them. They just, I don't know if I'm seeing better, but I feel smarter wearing them. Yeah. Right kind of thing? Yeah. You, you, look, you look smart. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yes. you. Yes. So, but I broke them a couple of weeks ago. And so I was like, man, I just, I don't want to pay that much for another pair. I can get six for the same price, right? Yeah, sure. So I, I hopped on Amazon. Let me tell you about what I got now. I got some royal blue ones on today. Uh-huh. I love them. I got some a clear one that looks like these. I got black. I got tortoise. Yeah. I, I mean, look, it just, I mean, me, blue glasses. Are they in a case? I know. You look. You, you kind of look like the male version of uh, Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Except, <laughs> except on the blue. <laughs> she wore the red. She wore where, the red. Where was she that? Red. Well, you're digging See, deep on, to go see? back there. I just popped yeah, in my I, head. I Mentioned uh, the 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 funny guy that's very germaphobic and was on oh. game shows. Um, oh oh uh, yeah, Howie Mandel. Howie Mandel. He wore like the blue. Yeah, right. Yeah. So if you're going to wear glasses, uh, reading glasses, make a statement. Yeah. I don't know if it matters if it looks good not, or not on you. You could just do it. You I know, mean, it's funny. I you know because we're in a meeting earlier, a couple meetings earlier today, and I. Have you like been wearing those or just, I just now, you, I mean, they're new, but I mean, I like that. Like, have you worn them another day this week? For two months. I, I no, wore them just, yesterday. 
I've been wearing my clear ones. Okay. Uh, okay. Yesterday, I just I, noticed I it this out. morning, and uh, I'm like, ah, okay, I'm I'll, not going to say anything, but yeah, yeah. you know, so, I was thinking well, Sally Jesse Raphael no. in blue. Let's, ba- hey, let's, <laughs> let's back this up because we're going to be talking about relationships. <laughs> like, I appreciate the fact that you noticed. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm yeah. curious, what would you have said during that meeting? I didn't say anything. I mean, <laughs> I, just I mean, you know, putting on these things like wearing a red shirt. It's power, baby. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. Now, is there a power case? Are they all laid out in a case that they, they come, come in? They each, it sits on your dresser? An unbreakable they, case. They, they come in um, a yeah. neoprene style case. Each one has a neoprene style case. Okay, individually. Yeah, and so yeah. I have three that I've I put away. Is that away. what neoprene means? What? What is that? Neoprene uh, is it's like a, it's not rubber. It's, um, it's material. It's like... Remember back in the day when you played football, you wore a knee brace with a hole in it? Yeah, yeah. It, that was neoprene material. You could sweat in it and do all that oh, kind of stuff. Okay. Waterproof, whatever. Today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, no, they're in those things. And so okay. I've, got, I've got the ones that I'm preserving stuck in my back dresser. I have blue and clear out and about. Yeah, okay. Depending on where I am and what I need. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. What the moment calls for. Yeah. I yes. just wondered how much were they? For the six-pack? Yeah. Uh, $14.99. Oh, man, really? So I was okay. I was paying a few more dollars for the ones that I really like a lot. And I was like, you know, I just keep breaking them. I'm just going to try something different this time. Yeah. See these? So, yes. What? But you, you see, you're because you're the maturest of our group. <laughs> I've noticed that you're wearing yours like you can wear yours all the time. Even sometimes when you're speaking publicly, you're wearing them. I still have to go on and off. Yeah, but it's like <clears throat> these are um, like straight from Lowe's, like five ninety nine or four ninety nine, something like that. So uh, yeah, this is like uh, this is the non Sally Jesse. Yeah, <laughs> see here again the difference the difference of the three of us. You're listening to the Deals and Steals podcast. That's it. I mean, here's a guy that's taking salt tablets and wearing re- in high school. Oh yeah, and remember that? And wearing, yeah. Yeah. And wearing yeah. Lowe's branded reading glasses. <laughs> Meanwhile, I got a leather journal and blue ones. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. see, these are like shatterproof lenses. I, know I mean, I don't know how, how I thought, um, yeah, adventurous in my reading is, but, you know, as far as uh, shatterproof glass. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but no, it's um, I, that's a good deal. I would, I'll probably check that out. <laughs> there you go. We're just going to call this right now. <laughs> uh, uh, Brian, let, let, uh, let me buy your first pair. Let's, okay. Let's, uh, yes. Let's, I know uh, who to go to. For, I know, right? Yeah. Right? For my so, accessories. Yeah. Uh, Appreciate you guys. All right. That sounds good, man. So let's, right, like, well, let's, today, let's, let's talk let's, something Let's move into, <laughs> into something different. Uh, today, we are excited to welcome uh, Mike Young to the podcast. Yeah. Mike is the founder of uh, an organization uh, entitled Noble Warriors that began back in 2005 with his passion. I've had the opportunity to uh, sit with Mike a few times, and I know the relationships that are in that organization and just the passion that goes along with it to see men grow and serve and lead as godly men. Uh, today, Mike continues to lead that ministry uh, and serve churches and individuals to be equipped to walk with Christ as they lead in, in, in their daily lives and what's taking place. He also serves as the president of the National Coalition of Ministries to Men and is a member of the Iron Sharpens Iron Network and Fatherhood Commission. Mike and his wife, Stacy have uh, three sons and a daughter. And so, Mike, welcome to the Reimagine Podcast. Glad you're here. Hey, it's good to be with you guys. Thanks for uh, the update on the glasses. I know we're going to get some reading glasses now. I, yeah. I tell you, I, I felt like I was watching an episode of Sanford and Son with friends uh, digging through that drawer of glasses yeah. trying to find the right ones so we could dial the telephone. And, and, and then... 
I I want to relate with Brad as well because my sunglasses. I used to break sunglasses all the time, so I get the ten dollar Dewalt sunglasses yeah. from Lowe's, yeah. and uh, that's that's a big win right there. Absolutely, guys. absolutely. <laughs> this is fascinating to me. Yeah, who who knew that Lowe's was uh, the fashion accessory yeah. store of our area? You know, yeah. We might have a yeah, new partnership coming out of this. <laughs> I know, I know. We don't get anything from all of these uh, <laughs> names we're dropping here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, Mike, uh, thanks for taking time to be yeah. with us today. And just to begin the conversation, uh, can you share with us just a little background story of you and how is it that you landed in the passion or the step that you took to say, you know what, I'm stepping out. We're going to do this thing called Noble Warriors. Yeah, it's it's a fun story of God's faithfulness and, and God's calling. It's a little unique. So I started out my uh, professional career as a teacher and a coach up in Northern Virginia. I was in Prince William County and uh, coaching football and soccer, teaching high school sciences. Um, prior to that, in, in college, I noticed even then that there were lots of there were more. I shouldn't say lots, but there were more godly young ladies who were pursuing their faith vigorously than there were young men. And and so I was just attentive to that as a college student. Um, And then I went into my professional career as a teacher and coach, and then as a high school assistant principal, and just watching young men all the time. And at that point, God hadn't called me to this, but um, I I was involved in the church and, and recognizing the need for men's discipleship. I left education and got involved in a family construction business here in the Richmond area. And I built custom homes with my father-in-law for five, uh, seven years. And uh, toward the end of that season, my uh, I just was feeling out of place, that this isn't what God made me to do. And I heard a, heard a Focus on the Family broadcast on the radio one time. And uh, it was D- Jim Dobson talking with some other guys about men's discipleship. And man, that just caught my attention. And they mentioned an upcoming conference for uh, guys who are investing in men. So I went to that conference and out of that, I won't tell you the whole story, but out of that came a clear calling that what I was supposed to do with my time, with, with my career was transition to some form of men's discipleship on a full-time basis. And, you know, I came back, that was uh, October of 2004, came back and started looking for a way to do that. And there were lots of churches and leaders, pastors, denominational folks that I met with that, you know, they offered me a volunteer opportunity, but no one had a job with men's discipleship, um, as a primary function. So I, months went by and it, it was February. I've still got the piece of paper. I was on the job site and I, I wrote, I was doodling one morning, I wrote independent community-based men's ministry. And, um, I said, wow, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to start something. And so, uh, and through this whole process, Stacy and I are praying. She's a stay at home mom with, uh, our three boys and our daughter had just been born. And so I'm feeling a lot of pressure with that, but we ultimately understood that we needed to start something. And so launched Noble Warriors in April of 2005. I left my job with the family business, sold my stock in the company, which wasn't a huge amount, but we had a year's worth of living expenses for our our family of six. And um, so we launched into this faith journey of building a, a, a men's discipleship organization called Noble Warriors. And so that's that's what I've been doing for the last uh, now going on 17 years is serving churches as they disciple men. So it's been it's been quite a fascinating um, pathway that God's brought me on to prepare me for this and to and then to build this ministry. So you're located in your located in Richmond, Virginia area, but you're actually serving nationally across the United States. Yeah, I. 
Yeah, so I'm in Richmond. Our office is in Chesterfield. That's where I'm, uh, where I am now. Um, and we have uh, huge influence in Richmond, but we also work in other parts of the state. Fredericksburg, Roanoke, Tidewater um, are some pockets of influence. But then because of relationships that we've developed over the years, uh, we do have influence across the country. I would not call us a national ministry in the sense that we're trying to take on the whole nation. Our real focus is is primarily the state of Virginia. That's where we're, we say our territory is. But um, that kind of leaks out from time to time. I'll get calls from guys in North Carolina or West Virginia or Pennsylvania and say, hey, can you help us figure out something? And so love to be able to help those guys, but I'm not actively pursuing those environments. So you, you said you're an independent um, ministry, but yet you, you partner regularly with the local church. Can you talk about what that, what that looks like and, and how that happens? Yeah. It, it, and, and I got to tell you, when I first started this, I, I would sit down and write, how do I connect with pastors and, and how do I engage the relationship with a local pastor? And so um, it, it's it's fascinating. How do you get into the conversation with the local pastor about men's discipleship? It's not, quite honestly, it's not something that many churches prioritize to the point of having it um, as a significant ministry. Honestly, it, it, it gets it takes a back seat to a lot of other things. Um, but I'm just looking for opportunities, trying to find the guy in the church who is a champion for men. So generally in every church, there's someone who's been discipled well, a godly man invested in his life and it changed everything. Or, you know, the, the shadow of promise keepers continues to um, have an impact on guys. Some guys remember that. And so I'm constantly trying to find the pastor or the passionate guy in the local church who um, would see men's discipleship as a critical priority and then engage a relationship. And not so that I don't, I don't have a cookie cutter recipe for every church or anything. I want to hear what the church is doing with men, what you think your health of your men are, and, and then answer questions, serve, recommend resources. Strategy is the big deal. Uh, so many churches, when they, when they think of men, they think of doing events, but the event usually ends when you clean up from that event. And there's, there's not often a clear plan for what the right next step is. So I, I'm really invested in a lot of conversations about how do you move from a catalytic event to seeing men actually move forward in some form of relational discipleship with other guys. So let me ask you this. I, I do want to know, like when you use the term noble warrior, if you can give a description kind of of that. But yeah. I, I really like to ask, based on what you just answered there, what what are you learning about men or their needs as community culture has changed over the last uh, two years in terms of yeah. work, isolation, all those kind of things? What What's being revealed to you about about that? Well, I, I would say, number one, pornography is killing guys. Um, and it, it, it just, the whole, the whole area of sexual purity, sexual integrity is something that is, um, having a huge impact on guys because it's so readily available. And, and so many guys are exposed at a young age, it's impacting women too. But, um, just, I know there are many guys in the local church who never raised their hand to, volunteer or to say that they can serve or whatever, because they know in the background, in the shadows of my life in places where people don't see, I have some things that I feel guilty and shameful about. 
And so they struggle with those things and consequently feel disqualified for service. And um, so that has been exacerbated with the isolation of working at home. I can't tell you how many guys I talked to who prior to the pandemic were going into the office. And at least that community provided some level of accountability and you know, screen accountability, you, you, you have to be careful what you're doing. But, but when you're in your home office by yourself all day, making sales calls, um, man, the distractions are hard for a lot of guys. And I, I, I know quite a few guys that will just flat out tell me, Hey, this has been a time of extreme struggle for me. And I miss just the camaraderie of being in the office or going out and making sales calls and having lunch with folks or or being in a in an environment where I'm talking to other men, and and no guy is not no guy, but but very rarely will guys say, "Hey, I'm lonely. I just I just need somebody to talk to." It, it's just not going to come off their lips. They don't know how to articulate that. But man, I tell you, there aren't many guys that I talk to who don't feel that at a quiet, visceral level. They just don't know how to articulate it sometimes, and so. Um, part of what we're constantly trying to do is how do we connect guys so that they can have authentic conversations about real issues and, um, and encourage each other. I mean, it's iron sharpening iron. Psalm 27, 17 as iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. And if, you know, one man can't sharpen him, he can sharpen himself with the word. So I don't want to dismiss that, but man, we sure need some flesh from time to time to help us get to where God wants us to be, to get that edge on our lives that, um, is going to keep pointing. We need guys who are going to keep pointing us back to the cross and to Christ and to his word. When listening to men or in conversations with other guys or just in general, like when, when a group of guys are, are together and sharing conversations, are there, are there keys to how you listen, uh, when conversations are being given? Yeah, I think there are keys to how you listen and maybe keys to how you ask questions. Um, uh, as I coach guys in small groups, uh, guys who lead small groups of other guys, one of the things I'll say often, there's some rules. Uh, everybody participates and no one dominates. And so I coach guys all the time on don't don't let, you know, Frank control the space here, you know, shut him down, figure out how to do that. And and make sure that you're listening. Um, and the whole idea behind someone who is mature leading a small group is that that person should not dominate. The, the leader um, participates, but doesn't dominate himself. And so part of that is an art of asking good questions and steering a conversation. I tell guys all the time, you've got to avoid the ends. And the ends is just a, a little strategy I talk about left to their devices, three or four guys like us, if we were to sit around the table somewhere, would probably move to talking about the NCAA, March Madness is coming up, NFL, uh, NOAA, which is weather, NASDAQ, which is money. So I, I tell guys, leave the ends alone. Don't, don't move. Don't go to national politics. Man, you've got to talk about things that really matter. And so I, I even teach this strategy for guys. Here are four H's. And if you ask these four questions, you can have a two-hour conversation with one guy. If you'll sit down with another man, you don't even have to know him, and just say, Brad, what's, what's heavy in your life right now? What's something that's heavy that you're carrying? What's something hard that you're dealing with? What's some way that you've been hurt in the recent past? And then how can I help you? 
man, if you if, if we can teach godly men how to have real conversations with other guys and ultimately hear them and listen, not not be so quick to tell them how they should change their life or what they should do, but to listen to their pain, the heaviness, the hurt, um, the, the hardships that they're dealing with, man, a lot of guys just need to be heard. And so part of that, you have to be a great listener, but being a great listener almost requires that you learn some prompts to get guys talking about real issues. Is that helpful? Yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah. that's excellent. Yeah, no, yeah. I like that. Yeah, because oftentimes we'll, we'll stand around, and, and we've talked about it here before uh, together, of course, living overseas in a, in a particular culture. It was always uh, 30 minutes into the conversation, and on the third, how are you doing? Do you really get an answer? Yeah. All the first two are the yeah. artificial things that go along. And I think as men, maybe we've come, become very comfortable with the artificials because it doesn't really bring us into true accountability or vulnerability or trust yeah. of, you know, in that conversation with others. And, and quite frankly, it's just easy to stay where we are and not be, not step into the challenge of, I need some transformation or things like that. So, yeah, I think those are, those are great. As you said, those things, you know, those are questions too. That I think uh, it's good for a spouse to know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. as, as a man walks into the door at home and in relationship with, with their spouse and she's able to understand those things and, and even ask those questions or, or know about those things is, is, so great for the marriage relationship. So excellent on, on those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And it takes wisdom. Yeah. I mean, it takes wisdom, I think, to know when, absolutely. you know, in the setting, your context, what's going on. Uh, you know, it, there are some times where, where you get together and it's just, hey, who can who can tell the better story? Right. So it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, this happened to me one time. And then the you other know. person, next thing you know, it's like the guys on the boat in Jaws when they're comparing their scars, you know, when they got uh, attacked by a different yeah. shark. And, yeah. um but I think um, I think too often we just we just settle for that, um, and yeah. and um, and our connection with one another suffers uh, because we don't take any step further than hey let's let's just share what's you know the funniest story in the room you know uh, we all fall into that and there's place for that I think I think there's there's good opportunity for that but being willing to take the chance uh, to ask something mm-hmm. deeper. Yeah, I'm just laughing because uh, Brian never asked me, but I always say to him, I know you didn't sign up for this, but here you go. (laughs) I just throw it on on him before before Uh, he even has the I know he desires to ask me. I'm just beating him to it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So that's how our relationship works. For some, it's easier than others. Yeah. 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 So and that's what I was going to say. Some guys can get there very easily, but some guys you really have to work at inviting them to move to that level of conversation. And it's one of the reasons I advocate. I know we need short term, small group engagements for guys, but I also think that there's so much value in having longitudinal friendships. I've got a group of guys that I've been meeting with for about 13 years on Friday mornings. And man, we have wrestled together with at what point do we get cell phones for our kids and how do we teach them how to drive and how do you pay for college? And you know, how do you, how do you help them navigate dating and engagement and weddings? And how do you deal with catastrophic illnesses in your, in your family? And we know each other so well that, man, I can look at a guy when he gets out of his car on Friday morning and see how he walks into the, to the coffee shop and have some idea of how his week's been. And I, I think every guy desires to be known at that level in some way. 
but it's like you want to fast forward that 15 years. And the only way you get that is week by week engagement, ongoing connection with, with some other guys. And so we peel off and do short-term discipleship with other guys and that sort of thing. But, but um, long-term relationships are valuable in the lives of men. So you talk about discipleship. Can you give us, I got a couple questions I want to back up, but I'll, I'll sure. start uh, with this one. Where, where does discipleship start with men? Cause we, we're, we're talking here. And I think there's probably a picture of, and Mike, you, you and I spoke about it the other day. We, we kind of think, well, it starts at marriage or it starts when they have a kid or whatever, yeah. but where does discipleship really start with men? Yeah, I, I think it starts when we begin to recognize that the only way to get a man is to start with a boy. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I think we need to start thinking and casting vision with little boys, especially in the church environment, of what it's going to look like when you are a husband and you are a father and you are a grandfather. And, and so how do you prepare young guys for that? Well, you start teaching them about leadership when they're young. I I don't think there's any guy who escapes the responsibility for leadership. I think God designed men to take responsibility, to take initiative in certain environments. And so we, we can build that into our, our investments in young guys. And so I talk about all the time, I know Greg, you're, have done a lot of recreation stuff. And um, so I would talk to my sons about how were they, how were they making things better? How are they, being an example of Jesus on the soccer field or on the, in the classroom, how are they leveraging their influence to make things better and not make things worse? I, I love first Corinthians 14, fifteen forty five. It says, thus it is written. The first man, Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life giving spirit. And so I think we, and this is true for men and women, but especially for little boys to, to help them understand that you need to be a positive change agent in every environment. Learn how to, first of all, manage yourself well. That's why we say your, your first leadership responsibility is to lead yourself. And that may mean, you know, beginning to, to discipline yourself, make your bed, keep your room straight. I mean, I, man, I love to talk to young guys about what does it look like? Are you, are you helping out at home or are you being a pain in the rear end for your mom and your dad? Um, this is how you begin to live out your life as a young man. And then what does that look like as you go to high school, as you go to college, you begin your career, man, guys need to learn that their leadership tendencies and strategies are being developed and cultivated throughout their lives in preparation for the time when they would be able to lead a wife, lead their children invest in them healthy in healthy ways, be a leader in the local church, be a leader in the community. And so we, we don't want to wait until they're married with two kids to start talking with men about how important it is to lead. We need to start doing that when they're much younger and, and building that into their vision of what manhood is going to be. The phrase that I know in terms of, uh, your information with Noble Warriors is change men changes everything. Can you give a, yeah. a description of that as, as we move forward? Yeah, I love uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Uh, Behold, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And it's, it's just so cool um, 
there's a statistic that runs around out there that no one can really validate. It gets thrown around about the, the percentage of of um, families who come to Christ when a child comes to Christ, when a mom comes to Christ, when the dad comes to Christ. And that that has never been really validated. But the truth is, and we see this, and there have been some other studies that have looked at it a little bit differently, the influence, the spiritual influence of a father in the home is surpasses the influence of anyone else. And, and I think that's because it's, it's, it's God's design. We see God speaking to men specifically about leading his family. And um, so when I think about this idea of change men, change everything, when we, in, in the history of noble warriors, when we've seen men get it, when we've seen men understand what it means to commit their lives to Christ, to submit to him as Lord and to begin to live that way personally, well, my goodness, marriage changes because he begins to love his wife as Christ loves the church. And he begins to see that relationship differently. And that relationship then changes the tenor of what goes on in the home. And dad is is spending his time differently. He's focused differently. His kids see him doing things differently. And so then when marriage gets more peaceful and harmonious, the kids feel more confident. I mean, um, one of the things that happens in our homes, you talk to middle schoolers and when mom and dad's marriage relationship is, is comfortable and they are secure in the fact that mom and dad are not going anywhere. I live in a safe and peaceful home. Um, man, it changes everything about their academic ability, about their confidence, about so much stuff in their lives. And so I think we have an, a tendency in the church to do women's ministry, student ministry, children's ministry, uh, college and career ministry. But man, if we would see that we invest in a man, we're actually investing downstream in all of those other areas. And um, a guy who gets it, I, I could give names, but I'll, I'll avoid doing that. But I've, I've known guys who said, man, I started spending time with my son. I started discipling my son. And if you want to talk about where real mentoring and real discipleship should begin, man, it should begin in the home at the dinner table with, with a father and a mother who are teaching God's principles to their kids. And I realize there are exceptions to that, but um, man, if we can equip guys to win there and to, and to, to walk with Jesus in such a way that they are transformed, then that begins to transform marriage. It transforms home. It transforms really generations. We're, we're claiming God's promise when we help men do well in investing in their families for generations to come generations and generations who will follow the Lord. So that's, that's what I'm thinking. They're change men, change everything. They change their work environment. They change their recreational habits. Um, I, a guy one time that part of the work that we were doing, uh, made a profession of faith. And, uh, and he told me, he said, Mike, I, I'm a sales guy and I used to go to clubs and take guys out whining and dining. And he said, I can't do that anymore. I, I have to, I have to conduct myself differently on business trips. And, and so he started making decisions differently and everything about his life began to change because Christ was Lord of his life. And, uh, man, praise the Lord that we get to see that happen. And our desire should be to see more of it. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you, you talk about the trickle down effect of, the, of that discipling process, starting at a young age and growing further. Who who stands, or is there someone that stands to benefit the most of men being discipled? Yeah, I, I, it's a great question, and I love to talk about this. I. I used to speak at MOPS groups frequently, MOPS is mothers of preschoolers, generally young mothers. And I would talk to these young moms about their husbands, about their sons, because I was still the men's ministry guy, just talking to ladies. And I would have women routinely come up to me and say, Mike, I, I appreciate so much what you're saying, but I am tired and I wish my husband would lead our family. And and look, you want to see this? I can tell you, it's your church. Go to, go to another church. Let's not... in indict any one particular church, but go to a church and watch how the nursery drop-off goes. In, in, in my church, very frequently, the ladies are bringing the kids in and the guy might be off to the side checking his phone for last night's scores or something. They're just, they're not terribly engaged. And um, so when I hear that from ladies, I'm tired and I wish my husband would lead our families, our family that just, it makes my heart hurt for those ladies. And I think they're the ones who have the most to win and the most to gain when a husband is truly leaning into the Lord's plan for his life. He's following him and he's seeking to lead his family in a way that, that, um, is honoring the Lord. Um, he is more attentive and it's not, you know, I, I joke about this, that uh, I tell guys all the time, your wife should not have to get three children and a grown man ready to go to church on Sunday morning and drag them out the door. I mean, when when we see a man get excited about the adventure, and that's what that's part of what we need to be thinking about. It is an absolute adventure to follow Jesus. Um, you know, the guys who who left their fishing nets and their boats and their family business to follow him did not go because he was a weirdo or wimp. They went because there was a compelling invitation. And when guys respond to that compelling invitation and they want to be in the presence of other believers and they want to grow in their faith, then all of a sudden it changes the tenor of moving out of the house on Sunday morning. And, and so it, and, and so a wife who is in that environment where she sees her husband flourishing and growing it's been my experience that most of the time that's a desire, a very, um, a very hard to articulate desire for, for young women. Now I've had, I've had the next phase of that conversation with guys. I'll say, Hey, you know, when I talk to the wives of this group, um, they say my, I, I wish my husband would lead our family and guys will tell me, I feel that I feel the tension for that. I feel like there's something I should be doing. And, and I, I, I'm not sure what to do with it. I've never seen it done well, and I have no idea how to lead my family. And so that's that's the answer that a lot of guys give. They didn't see their own fathers in many cases lead their families well, and they've not been close enough to some older men to learn from them how to do it. And so they're guessing at what does it look like to lead a family. And this is this is where I think that the church has great opportunity is to really invest, especially in young men. And it's not easy. I mean, every church is asking, how do we get to these young guys? Um, but I see the opportunity to transform families and marriages, the community and the church by investing in men. You know, that's one thing that we're talking about just in terms of our community and just families mm-hmm. um, and trying to connect with them and, and see the whole the whole family 
uh, being transformed and, and thriving together. And, and of course, we've had some conversations with some other folks in regard to this, but it's pretty pretty high in your yeah. your area. Yeah, and I, you know, it's interesting as as Mike as you're talking. I'm thinking, you know, there are two facets to that piece where, um, as a younger guy. Um, and especially as a young pastor doing a new start um, years and years and years ago, um, I, I I reached out to some key people. Man. I just um, and and not everybody took me up on the offer, but sure. there were several guys that um, Walter Bennett and some others, um, and uh, another guy in Tampa, uh, Ken Witt and some others that would meet with me on a regular basis and just speak life. And they would ask those questions. I mean, they didn't, they didn't word them exactly that way, but it was, you know, what's heavy, what's hard, you know, how can I help you? And, and so these guys would walk with me, Kevin Aaron's a guy that uh, kind of sponsored that, that church start. And so it was um, pretty, pretty profound for me. And then obviously other guys that spoke into my life over the years, but then I find myself on the other side of that scale. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not terribly old. I'm 58, you know, that kind of thing, but it's, it's like there are fewer guys in front of me and more guys behind me. And so the idea right. is I need to turn around and walk with mm-hmm. the guys that are behind me. And part of that is, um, we had um, we had on here um, Morgan Snyder, which you probably know Morgan, John Eldridge and their group. And but um, he did a thing where part of what he wrote his book, Becoming a King, was he went out and he 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 talked to people. I mean, he just got guy. He signed him up you know, in a sense to speak into his life. And yet on this side, I think um, it's about being willing and available um, to say yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna pour myself into a few guys, meet with them periodically, that kind of thing, just to help navigate and help disciple, help to mentor. Um, because when I think about 30 years ago, um, man, it was just like it was just this clean, this is this clear slate. You know, you're just trying to put stuff down and trying to get get through it, and and yet there's an obligation. I think, Greg, you're you're in that age group, so you're. <laughs> You're, you're using readers, man. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're going to leave Brian alone for a couple more years. Fantastic. But, but I do think there is, um, there's the willingness to ask and there's the willingness to say, yes, I want to walk with you. And, um, that's a whole nother conversation. We don't teach people how to ask the question or how to respond to that question. I don't know. Yeah. That was also the thing. We don't, we don't talk about mentoring um, and giving people permission as far as even seeking it out. Like who, who are you seeking yeah. out yeah. to walk with you? Um, yeah. I don't know that we often uh, speak about that uh, openly. Yeah. I, I would just uh, kind of do a shameless plug here, but Noble Warriors is focusing the first half of this year on the issue of mentoring. So mm-hmm. we've actually, if you go to our website and the resources page, there's a there's a page that we've set up for mentoring and we're constantly adding resources, articles, links and so forth, because uh, almost every church that I have a conversation with begins to ask, how can we connect the generations? What can we do mm-hmm. in terms of intergenerational ministry? And uh, Brad, I, I love your story about reaching out to those guys and their willingness to help you. Um I, I often tell folks that this whole thing is kind of like a middle school dance where you've got the girls on one side of the gym and the guys on Where's the other. Where's your cotillion dance card, right? All, <laughs> yeah, they all want to dance. They've seen the videos. They've seen what it looks like, and it looks like a lot of fun, but nobody knows how to get the thing started. 
And so you've got the older guys on one side and the younger guys on another side, and they have a level of mistrust and um, just awkwardness about how do we get this conversation going. Um, And so that's part of what we're trying to do is create those catalyzing opportunities for the conversations to get going. And um, man, we could have a whole nother conversation about this, but I think the church as it stands today has an untapped, untrained, unreleased army of mentors that are just sitting there. I mean, when you think about the number of guys who go to your church who are retired or semi-retired or empty nesters, um, their children are gone. They have disposable time, disposable income, wisdom like crazy. And if those guys could be given uh, cast a vision that they would catch, that they would catch a vision for the power of investing in other men, and we could give them some tools to use and a track to run on and help them understand how to reach out. Because I think those, those are the guys that really hold the keys to this. Um, the younger guys, I mean, you guys all remember this. Man, when I'm 28 years old, my head is down. I am running hard. Mm. But it would have made a huge difference for me. And it did. When an older guy would say, hey, Mike, I see something in you. And, I, and there, was, there was a guy in particular, Kerry Bates, at a church that we went to. He was the pastor that invested in me the most. And he said, Mike, I see something in you, and I'd like to spend some time with you and, and just, um, just hear about your journey and what's going on. And he began to disciple me, and that made the difference. I mean, that's part of the story of Noble Warriors. That man's investment in me. And so if we can teach some of these guys who have this margin in all these areas— to leverage that for the kingdom by investing in other men, man, that's that's a win. Now, I, I do want to go back to Brian's comment about Jaws and the guys comparing of their scars, because here's here's part of what happens. There's so many of those guys that say, hey, it, it might nobody wants to hear from me. You would not believe the mistakes in my life. I've got two prodigal kids, my my, my business tanked and I claimed bankruptcy 15 years ago. And man, things have just not gone the way that I want. Well, my goodness, the young men that I talk to can learn more from your failures than they will from your successes. Mm-hmm. And so guys who think that their failures have disqualified them, um, they're missing the mark because here's, here's where I go to the scar thing. If you have seen God take your bad decisions and your bad experiences and redeem them. And you've brought them under the blood of Jesus at the cross and you've been reconciled with whatever. And you, then they're not open wounds, they're scars and scars healed men can be very valuable in the kingdom. Wounded men are very dangerous. And so there are guys out there who've not completely reconciled. They've not confessed everything they need to. They're not, faithful and, and, and honest and, and ready to go. Um, but men who've seen God redeem the hardships in their lives, man, their stories and their experience and their wisdom just has huge value to be shared with younger men. So, um, man, that's what we're talking about all the time is how to connect those generations so that that wisdom can be shared and can be used to advance the kingdom. My uh, one of my mentors, who's now since passed, um, used to always say, "Never trust a man who doesn't walk with a limp." 
And uh, yeah. I'm like, cause he taught about brokenness and I mean, that's, he spent his life investing in broken people and the healing that was seen and where some guys are today, you know, it's just uh powerful. So, uh, yes, I like, uh, I, I totally resonate with the, uh, uh, we can learn so much more out of failure than we can success. And, um, and sometimes those are the best, those are the stories that people need, you know? Um, so yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Yeah. I, I, excellent. I'm just thinking in terms of, mentoring and entering into that kind of relationship or a role that you play. Maybe there's people out there that are leading staff or, or they are, they are in the grandfather mode and they're, they're meeting with younger people or uh, coaching a sports team or whatever. And it comes with all these things. And sometimes you feel like you've got to, got to know the answer. And I know a lot of times as, as somebody even, um, is mentoring or even still being mentored, I, I look at that person and say, can you just give me the answer? Or sometimes as the mentor, I just want to give you the answer. But really what it is, is it's ex- 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 uh, sharing my experiences where, you know what, right. I can't tell you um, all the right things to do, but I can tell you the 20 years of, of, of trippings and fallings and experiences that have given me insight and wisdom, you know, kind of thing. It's just sharing experiences. And, um, but that's, yeah. and that's relationship. I mean, that's where, I mean, that's what you're talking about. It's, yeah. it's ha- healthy, healthy, mentoring, growing, uh, discipling relationships. You know? So when I put my blue glasses on, I want to give you a cue. That's where I need you to tell me just <laughs> what to do. That's, that's when I'm, I'm picking up my Lowe's 499. Yeah. 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 We're you, you and I are going to have a stare down because the best and worst thing you do to me is let me go figure it out. <laughs> I'll just call you on it. Brian's Brian's nervous about saying it. Uh, Mike, uh, let me let me ask you one one last question, a quick picture. When sure. I say the term noble warrior, what what does that look yeah. like? Yeah. Well, it, so I, I'll give you the backstory for the name. Uh, I, we had four kids when we started this, and, and I'll just tell you, Stacey and I will celebrate 30 years of marriage mm-hmm. in June. Um, she has been with me and has been a faithful friend and partner and supporter in this ministry. And, um, I tell everyone that she's the miracle in the story of noble warriors, because I came home one day from work and she said, you're miserable. You're working with my dad, but you're miserable and I'm ready to change. And so that's, that's what opened the door for us. And then, um, our four kids, and I'll just give you a rundown on those. Cause I'm proud of them. My oldest son graduated from West Point. He's an army infantry officer serving in Hawaii, married, has our first grandchild right now. Our second son graduated from Virginia Tech, commissioned as an Army aviator, so he's learning how to fly your helicopters for you in Fort Rucker, Alabama right now. My third son um, is at NC State doing a a dual-degree program, engineering, uh, paper science engineering, and chemical engineering. And um, our daughter is going to graduate from high school and, and go off to college next year. And one of the things that has been our privilege in all of this is to understand that they were arrows in our quiver. So the word warrior comes from Psalm 127, four, four and five, like arrows in the hands of a, in, in a warrior's quiver, or sons born in one's youth, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I know I've misquoted that just a little bit, but, but we saw our children as arrows that we would shoot off into the future and we had to make them straight and true. And so that's why I started with the word warriors. Um, and so it's, it's, it's exciting for us that our kids are serving in local churches, discipling and being discipled by others. And um, so that's been our privilege. And I would, I would just put a pause in here, put a break and say that that's your first mentoring opportunity is to invest well in your own kids and your own family. Um, 
But then the, the word warrior, I couldn't figure out. I mean, I've got a piece of paper where I had Richmond warriors and Christian warriors and all this stuff because I knew warriors was there. But I was reading in Isaiah for devotions one morning and I found Isaiah 32, 8. And in the NIV, it says, but the noble man makes noble plans and by noble deeds he stands. And so the word noble used three times in one short verse just kind of grabbed my heart. And so it became noble warriors. So what does that mean? A warrior is someone who's fit for battle, ready for battle, suited up, ready to go. But a noble man is someone who does it with integrity. And so our desire is to see men who are fit for battle, who are not afraid of what they will face, um, who are going to stand for truth and are going to live in with integrity. But um, they're they're ready to go to war for that and uh, to be kingdom minded. And so that's what we hope to raise is noble warriors. That's what we hope to see developed through uh, discipleship in a local church. And here's the other thing. There will be a day when I expect um, at the back of a crowd of folks, my daughter will be on my arm and I will walk her down the aisle to place her hand in the hand of a young man who I didn't raise. And our prayer is that he will also be a noble warrior. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's part of what is driving all of this. And that's what I think of when I think of a noble warrior. That's great. That's good. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. So where can people um, find your resources, information about Noble Warriors or connect with you? Yeah. Uh, so noblewarriors.org is our website and that's the best place. Um, so check that out. There's some, some great resources there. As a matter of fact, there's a whole page that we set up under the resources section on purity. I mentioned that purity is a, is a big issue for men, especially in this season and and so there's some podcasts there with some strategic guests and some blog posts and resources. Um, so check that out. Also, the information on mentoring. And if we can, if anyone's listening to this and would like some help with mentoring or church stuff, just uh, shoot us an email there, connect with us. We also do a weekly email that we send out. And so uh, you can check that out as well um, or sign up for that through our website, but noblewarriors.org. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for uh, being here today and just speaking into uh, the life of men, mentoring, discipleship, families, and um, just your wealth of knowledge and experience with it. Appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it's a joy. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Appreciate you. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to the Reimagine Podcast. As always, you can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, and download and share any of the episodes. You can also follow us on reimaginecast.com. So for Brad and Brian, I'm Greg. Thanks for listening to the Reimagine Podcast.